You're listening to SpecScript. Today's episode, House of Cards by Riley McCarthy. More like Riley McCarthy. Happy Halloween! Hey there, speculators. It's Chris. What's up? And happy Halloween! Here's your SpecScript news for the episode. On November 9th, if you're in St. Louis, you can see us at the Flyover Comedy Festival, cross that out, Invasion, uh, where Curtis Cook will be writing ER for a medically hilarious episode. It's a special one because I'm not going to be there. Shane ain't going to be there. Lydia Manning is running this whole show, first ever show without me, so... I am nervous and excited because I don't get to see it, but I know it's going to be great because Lydia is way funnier. So enjoy that if you're in St. Louis and then listen to it in 20 years. Now, what else? You know, on November 10th, we're back in Portland for a standard Sunday show. 7 o'clock doors at Kelly's Olympian. Ash and Crystal Alexander are writing Shameless, so that's going to be fun. And it's going to be a great one. we got the Spectrip debut of Jason Lamb. we got Dave Rankin. We got other fun stuff. You know, it's going to be a wild ride. There's going to be some dope wrestling of that show, too. And then on November 30th, we're doing three yet-to-be-announced cartoon shows. Saturday morning classic cartoon shows at the Ha Ha Harvest Comedy Festival. That's around 8 p.m. on Saturday, November 30th for the Ha Ha Harvest Comedy Festival, which is a whole event that you should go to in general. Got almost 90 comics. It's gonna have a bajillion events i'm producing it with you know the amazing cool founder shannon hunt so that's gonna be a wild time that you're gonna love and you're gonna have a fun time and if you're in portland right after thanksgiving come to the ha ha harvest comedy festival what else to ask and what else to tell you know the standard stuff but it does really help to give us reviews on itunes uh we are craving some new ones so please drop us a review on itunes even though the interface is terrible i know it's not itunes anymore i guess it's apple podcast but you know what i meant also, we have a Patreon, so if you want sweet early access, a bit more raw audio, and other stuff eventually, uh, please sign up and give us money. If It also helps us keep the show alive. So uh, thank you very much to Juliet Milan, Allison Dennis, and Gary Butterfield for supporting Specsript on Patreon. Y'all are angels, and thank you to future people for joining the angels in heaven, a.k.a. Specsript Patreon. Okay, that's it for now. On to the show. Let's party like it's political time, because it's Halloween and we're doing House of Cards. Hello, Kelly's Olympian. Are you ready for Spexcript? House of Cards. I didn't know what you were doing for a second. Neither do I, all the time, every time. Welcome to SpecScript, everybody, the live podcast that happens here at Kelly's Olympian in Portland, Oregon, where a cool person writes an episode of a TV show they have never seen, and cooler people a bunch read of hot it out uh, yeah, you're right. The cool, the person who writes it is cool. The people that read it are hot. Uh, yeah, that's better, Shane. Thank you. Um, welcome to this. I'm Chris Hottamy. Give it up for my co-host, Shane Hosey. Give it up for my co-host, Chris Hottamy. Uh, yeah, so this is a fun podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we do a f- lot of fun stuff. The audience here in Kelly's Olympian already uh, knows everything that we just said. Uh, but we do all this for the British listeners that we have a weird amount of. Uh, 
So as, as we say in England, top of the morning to you. <laughs> as we say in England, donkey. Uh, <laughs> the, the thing about the English listeners is I do most of my, I can only do like four voices and two of them are hello, hello, and oi, I'm a little boy. And it's like, well, you can't really be racist to British people, but I found a way. Uh, yeah, um, so uh, today's episode is really exciting. As uh, people here might know, I, Chris Hodmy, I love politics. I love clowning on those jokers in Washington, D.C. Uh, I'm the Bill Maher of Portland comedy. They all say that. Again, stop bringing him up. <laughs> I can't wait to do a Specsnip real-time episode. Oh, jeez. New be our- rule, no Bill Maher jokes. <laughs> Um, uh, but we are doing a fun thing today. We are doing uh, Netflix's first big hit and first big streaming show, House of Cards. Make a, make a card, can we, can we like in post, like, like a shuffle? Mm-hmm. A show that I n- hated every episode of and watched every episode of uh, right when it came out. Um, I don't make sense. Um, uh, but this episode is written by uh, one of Portland's greatest angels, um, the one and only Riley McCarthy. Give it up for Riley. <laughs> so everybody, you uh, love them. You love them. Give it up for your cast today. Come on stage, baby. Here they are. Bada bada boom a beep ba Oh, this is House of Cards. Look out, there's a murdering president, and he's also Kevin Spacey. Boo. You know what sucked about the Kevin Spacey thing is I couldn't watch my favorite movie anymore, K Pax. Uh, who hears a K Pax head? Oh, that was. There was one person clapping and one person that raised their hands. That's too much for K-Pax. Yeah, that's... Um, K-Pax is actually kind of good. Um, so, yeah, so our amazing people are getting on stage right now. So, what we do here, uh, before we read the cast, you listeners in the flesh here get to see these people. But our listeners at home, they don't. They don't know what they look like. They don't know what they sound like. So all of our amazing cast... Uh, here today, they were, are going to say their names, the character or characters they're playing, and their today their least favorite politician. Ooh, we're switching it up. We're getting a little kinky here. Ah. I'll move over, Bobbly Higley. This is the new. Did I say Bobbly Higley? <laughs> all right, all right. So, uh, all right, let's party. We'll start. Hi, my name is Chris Hotomy. I'll be playing. The character of I'm Doug, uh, and my least favorite politician. My uh, probably I mean right now Joe Biden. Yeah, like, I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, I, he's not good. He's not good. Yeah. Oh, she thought I said favorite. Uh, my favorite politician is Joseph Biden. Uh, he's an ally. Think of all those people with all those women with stressful shoulders that he made more stressful. Uh, oh, I took it too far. Please um, stop let, making me think about Joe Biden and move on. Okay, well it's okay. I think he's gonna like like f- he's gonna fall in front of a train or something. Or Amy Klobuchar is gonna kill him. Uh, all right. So that was it. Bye. Uh, hey, my name is Lee Cox. I'm playing Remy Danton. Yeah, Remy Danton. Uh, my least favorite politician. 
I don't, I don't think I have one. I think they're all doing a great job. <laughs> they're just giving it their best, you know? Hi, I'm Alexandra Jade. I'm playing um, Seth Grayson. Uh, my least favorite uh, politician. I thought of a favorite one earlier. Well, my favorite is that Jimmy McMillan guy who said the rent was too damn high. Like, he's not that bad. Everyone else I'm pretty indifferent on. I don't want to be on a FBI watch list. Okay, thank you. I'm Riley McCarthy. Hello. I, I wrote this goof-em-up we'll be reading today, and today I'll be reading um, Edward Meacham. Um, and my favorite politician... It's James Buchanan, because he was in the White House and he was gay as shit the whole time. My name is Tiffany Yamauchi. I will be reading the part of Claire Underwood. I just, I acted, I don't know why I opened this. I knew who it was. I didn't even look at it. Um, I also prepared only my favorite politician. Uh, <laughs> which is Ross Parrott from Sesame Street. <laughs> my favorite. Uh, hi, my name is Kat Buckley. I am playing Frank Underwood, Underwood. And my least favorite politician is Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Hello, uh, my name is Tiffany McGuire. I am playing the part of Catherine Durant. And uh, I'm going to go a little different. My favorite not favorite, my favorite not favorite politician from 2010, Senate candidate Christine O'Donnell. Might be a little bit of a deep cut for some of you. <laughs> she was well known for being an evangelical figure uh, on MTV and Bill, <laughs> Bill, Bill. Mar. Bill yeah. Mar. It was a new rule. It was Bill a new rule. Mar's guest <laughs> on his first show. She was very for abstinence, and she insisted that she was not a witch, and that <laughs> was fantastic. <laughs> That's it. Great. Uh, so my name's Sarah Jones. I'm playing for Carrie Underwood, the American singer, songwriter, and actress. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of her. My least favorite politician is all of them. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, my name's Zoe Proval. I'm playing Zoe Proval, Port Portland comedian, LA native, raconteur, hotshot, bad girl. Maybe you've heard of her. And my uh, favorite politician is Donald Trump. <laughs> I love that you can see how not political we all are. No one gave a real answer except for Tiffany. Uh, my name is Shane Hosey. I'll be playing the narrator, stage directions, and uh, my least favorite politician is Shane Hosey, running for president in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> Hosey! Nope, nope. You don't want to know what I'm running on. Hose more years. Hose more years. All right. Can I? Yeah. All right. I just want to edit uh, and say my uh, least and most favorite politicians because uh, this applies to all of them. Uh, are all those clowns in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, all right. Uh, anyway, um, who's ready to start? Spec Script! House of, House of cards. cards. House of Cards. Written by Riley McCarthy. 
open on the cluttered hallways of a fancy building in New Hampshire or Virginia or whatever. Campaign headquarters of politicians Francis and Claire Underwood. The front doors open and a menacing pantsuit-clad figure enters. Once a Yakuza time cop from the year 2081, Claire Underwood is now in hiding as a current-day politician. Though being a member of the Underwood political family is nothing more than a cover for her as she is on the run for chronomatic assassins, the job suits her ruthless and cunning nature. She enters the campaign's main office to find sniveling intern Edward Meacham sitting at a desk. We see over his shoulder he is Googling what type of belt buckle will make my boss respect me. <laughs> he sees Claire entered and switches the tab back over to a Google Doc labeled Revenge Stuff before scrambling to his feet. Miss Underwood, uh, you're back from the Natural History Museum. Uh, what can I do for you? Candid Edward, I don't respect you. I need to talk to Francis now. Where is he? He's currently in an important meeting with Catherine. Where? In his private bathroom. Claire steps, <laughs> sidesteps Edward, leaving him to tend to whatever it is interns do, and enters Francis's private bathroom. Francis and his campaign manager, Catherine, are kneeling on either side of the toilet, repeatedly flushing it and counting out loud. 87. They flush the toilet again. 88. They flush the flush. toilet again. 89. <laughs> What the fuck are you two doing? Francis dropped a penny in the toilet and we're seeing how many flushes it'll take until it goes down. The two stand up and dust off their knees. Francis, the senator or governor of New Hampshire or Virginia or whatever, is a hard-nosed politician with a chin like a Buick and, uh, and blue eyes that pierce like an 18-year-old Claire's employee. <laughs> he steps forward, adjusting his thin black tie. Well, how did the meeting with the Natural History Museum go? Not well. They rejected your request to change the state flower to the piranha plant. Yeah. What? How come? Apparently, it only exists in the Super Mario video games. <laughs> well, Alaska gets to have theirs be the scorpion grass. That's a real flower. Hell yeah, badass. Catherine, the Underwoods campaign manager, has been with Francis's best friend since they were in a frat together at Harvard, a now discredited university famous for kind of sounding like Harvard. <laughs> She bends over and fishes the penny out of the toilet, putting her in, in her breast pocket before wiping her hands on the back of Francis's jacket. Did you, bring in, did you bring me anything back from the gift shop? They didn't have a gift shop. Claire moves her freshly acquired Natural History Museum keychain from her belt to her back pocket. <laughs> Why did you call me here, Francis? You said it was urgent. It's Tuesday, Claire. Tuesday is revenge brainstorming day. It's like a favorite day. Francis picks up a roll of toilet paper and leads the team out of the bathroom. Edwards is back at his desk reading a book titled Building Confidence for Weak Men. <laughs> Francis lobs the roll of toilet paper at his head, making him drop the book on his testicles. Edward leans down to retrieve his book and hits his head on the desk, falling back into his chair, which breaks, slamming him butt first on the carpet. <laughs> Get up, idiot! I don't respect you! Go get the big white board and call in the team! It's revenge planning time! Right away, Dad! I mean, Mr. Governor or Senator, sir! Edward stumbles out of the room like an idiot. Ah, uh, yes. Your revenge plot against President Doug Stamper. Why are we angry at him again? Because, because he's the, the worst. worst! Edward re-enters the conference room, pushing a whiteboard, followed by stunning and sharp-witted Portland comedian Zoe Preval. <laughs> Hey, Kelly's Olympian. Portland comedian Zoe Proval here. 
Apparently breaking the, the fourth wall is a central theme of this television show, but that wasn't made clear to Riley until he had already finished a draft of this script and he was too lazy to work that element into the show in any meaningful way. And in, in the interest of maintaining this apparently iconic motif, I'll be chiming in at various points in the show tonight to give fun facts about the cast and creation of beloved podcast spec script. Now let's get back to the action. Excellent. We're almost ready to begin. Seth Grayson should be here any minute. You mean you actually hired Seth Grayson, the most ruthless political analyst in the country? Isn't he in prison for grand theft equine? We hear the sound of shattering glass as we pan up to see an enormous bird of prey smash through the overhead window. <laughs> Seth Grayson, political analyst and actual bald eagle, does an effortless combination of flips and spins before landing gracefully on the conference room table. His wingspan of eight feet, Grayson is an imposing figure. He's a bull in the boardroom and a bitch in the bedroom. And a bald eagle everywhere else. Uh, did one of you beta cucks say my name? <laughs> Seth, you slimy bastard. How the hell are you? Seth pats Francis on the back with one wing and lights a cigarette with the other. Edward sits down and begins pulling shards of broken glass out of his hair and forehead. Free as a bird, compadre. Prison walls can't keep me down. Plus, that, whole, uh, that horse I stole was totally asking for it anyway. Seth, I'm glad you could join us. I'm guessing Edward has briefed you on today's objective. I sent Mr. Grayson a dossier on today's proceedings. I don't know if you had time to look over it, but Seth flicks his cigarette in Edward's face before lighting another one. <laughs> Uh, didn't read it, small fry. Uh, I don't respect you, but I got the gist. Uh, it's been a while since I hatched a revenge plan, uh, but I hear it's just like riding a bike. Catherine? <laughs> no! You can ride a bike? Uh, it's a figure of speech, amigo. Uh, I hear the mark is the President Doug Stamper. Uh, what do you have against this guy anyway? He's, He's the, the worst. worst. Uh, well, I think we have our work cut out for us. Now to start things off with an obvious one, have you considered just murdering the guy? Edward writes revenge ideas at the top of the whiteboard with a bulleted word, murder, underneath. <laughs> Fun fact! Shane Hosey, who tonight is playing the role of narrator, is a card-carrying member of the Baha'i faith. <laughs> Being raised in this fashion, Shane has kept his mind open to all worldviews, and this is probably why he's all over a pretty fucking chill dude. <laughs> Ask me about it later. Murder's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, murder's fun and all, but I was thinking of something with a little more pizzazz. Something with a little bit of all-American flair. Abruptly, a melodious voice is heard from off-screen. Did somebody say all-American flair? From seemingly nowhere, in-walk singer-songwriter Carrie Underwood, American treasure, and ace in the pocket of the Underwood political family. <laughs> Cousin, you, you came. came! You know I couldn't miss out on a little good old-fashioned political revenge coup. When I'm not touring the world with my wholesome yet poppy brand of Christian country music, exacting vengeance on a deep-seated political resentment is my bread and butter. Well, you made it just in time. Make yourself comfortable. <laughs> we were just getting started. Carrie moves to the drink cart and pours a pitcher of scotch for the table. Claire, Francis, and Catherine all help themselves to a glass. Edward reaches for a glass, and Catherine slaps his hand away. 
No, Edward, boy, bad boy. Scotch is for the adults. I'm 32 years old. <laughs> Edward, go drink one of your juices and man the damn whiteboard. Edward skulks over to the drink cart and grabs a juice box for out of the bin labeled baby juice for babies. <laughs> He struggles for several minutes to punch the foil top with a plastic straw. Seth pours himself a glass of scotch before pulling a flask out from under his wing and spiking the drink with a stronger, more impressive scotch. He leans back in a chair and addresses the room. All right, people. Blue skies, anything goes. What comes to mind when people think of this Doug Stamper character? He's the worst. He's an idiot. He's the president. He lives in Washington, D.C. Oh, in the White House. Tonight, he will be portrayed by Chris Hotomy, who, fun fact, is a producer of Spec Script, and he <laughs> created his own religion when he was in middle school. The religion is rumored to still be practiced by a small group of dangerous fanatics located in a remote mountain village. <laughs> it's not the Baha'i faith, if anyone's curious. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, and what comes to mind when you think of revenge? Justice. Retribution. Satisfaction. Cruelty. Revenge was also a central theme in the spec script episode <laughs> titled, uh, the spec script episode, The Sopranos, written by Chase Brockett. <laughs> Therefore. We should be cruel to the White House? Francis and Catherine throw their drinks in Edward's face. Seth throws a stapler. Well, that's no good at all. We need concrete, actionable ideas. Everyone leans back and sips their scotch thoughtfully. Edward brings his juice box to his mouth and attempts to take a contemplative sip but misses the straw with his lips. Using his tongue, he fumbles with the straw before finally getting it in and taking a big old swig. <laughs> he leans back too, hoping no one saw that. I saw that. We all did. Fun fact. Zoe Proval, who tonight is playing the role of Zoe Proval, has been called by ex-lovers a real squirter. Plural? Lovers? Sorry. Just the one. I think what we need to do is get the brainstorm going to a jumping off point. As do I. Do any of you have any experience in carrying out a complicated revenge plot? Slow zoom on Claire's face as the far-off sounds of distant battle are heard. We see a montage of her valiantly exacting vengeance during her escapades with the Yakuza and the Time Police. There's a shot of her in a Roman centurion helmet stabbing a robed man in the back with a spear. There's a shot of her standing on the shoulders of a giant cyborg, ripping the head, of a, of, uh, ripping the head off its biomechanical neck. We see the many beheadings that ca came at the cruel edge of her katana in the wake of blood that ripples from her every footstep. Now in the presence, we see her face anguished and solemn, woeful of the carnage she wrought. Claire, Claire, stop staring off into space as if stricken by the dark sins of an inescapable past life. Yeah, you know it creeps us out when you do that. You know, Francis, it's not exactly revenge, but you and I have lots of hazing experience from our time in the fraternity at Harvard. 
<laughs> oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, well, what kind of hazing were you guys into? Maybe some of it could be relevant? Oh, you know, just typical horseplay guy stuff. Like making dudes show us their butts. Like making them eat pizza with their butts. Or like making dudes write letters to their moms using pens they were holding with their butts. <laughs> Oh, and there was that time we made that guy put his butt inside another dude's butt. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think we get the picture. Edward writes butt stuff on the whiteboard <laughs> and circles it. Here's a fun one. Comedian Kat Buckley today playing the role of Frances had a period of time in her life when she didn't own any sex toys and would masturbate with a can opener. <laughs> Toothbrushes. What if I <laughs> dug my key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive, caught my name into his leather seat? Go on. I took a Louisville slugger to both headlights, slashed a hole in all four ties. Maybe next time he'll think before he cheats. <laughs> it's fun, but you already did that one. Yeah, it's a little derivative. I like where your head is at, though. He's always so proud of those stupid black SUVs he gets driven around in. I'd really love to fuck up one of his rides. I got it. What if we broke into his garage and taped his car to the sun? <laughs> <laughs> What do you even mean by that? If we got like a bunch of tape and then like taped it up way up there, you know how the sun is super hot and stuff, it would totally fuck his shit up. The sun is also 92 million miles away. I know, it would take him forever to find it. <laughs> Edward draws a picture of the sun on the whiteboard, steps back and smiles. He then starts gleefully drawing clouds and pretty birdies around the sun. Uh, fun fact, when Riley was asked to write this episode, he didn't realize that House of Cards and The West Wing were two different shows. <laughs> he also didn't realize that Kevin Spacey was in this TV show and may not have agreed to do this if he had. Listen, what do we know about his personal relationships? Does he have any family that he's close to? He has a son and a daughter, eight and 12 respectively. Okay, so what if we went into his house at night and kind of just busted up his kids a little? <laughs> you mean like physically? Nothing too rough. I just mean sort of box them around a bit, break some of their stuff, scream in their faces. Nothing serious, just some light emotional trauma. Edward writes traumatized kids on the whiteboard. <laughs> Okay, okay, that is way too dark. Edward is adding the word softly in front of traumatized kids. <laughs> when his text alert beeps, Edward checks his phone and jumps to his feet in startled incompetence. Oh no, Mr. Senator or Governor or whatever, I just received a text that President Stamper is on his way to the office right now to do a surprise visit. Shit, quickly, hide the plans. Hide, Seth, hide my scotch. The crew scrambles to hide e evidence of their plotting. Edward spins the whiteboard around to face the wall. Carrie throws an American flag over Seth, but it just looks like a bald eagle wrapped in the American flag. <laughs> Damn it. That doesn't hide him. It just looks super red. Just perch him somewhere and pretend he's taxidermy. Seth takes flight and flaps 
frantically around the room, desperately looking for a convenient perch, finding none. Out of ideas, he lands roughly on Edward's head, digging his talons in and striking a pose. Don't move, twerp. I think one of your claws is puncturing my temple. Fun fact, Tiffany McGuire, who tonight is playing the role of Catherine, will cry spontaneously if she is shown a video of any two wild animals, quote, being friends. <laughs> Same. Seth digs her t- his talents deeper, and Edward snaps up straight. We hear the sound of regal horns signifying the arrival of Supreme President Doug Stamper. The president's right-hand man, Rebby Danton, enters first, wearing an imposing military jacket with many medals. He pulls a large scroll from within his jacket and addresses the room. Attention and silence I give to you, undeserving cretins. The Supreme President of these United States of America, the illustrious Doug Stamper. The horns blow again, and Doug Stamper enters, kicking in front of him a red carpet that unrolls into the middle of the room. He's wearing a purple and red satin suit with an impossibly long purple fur cape that extends behind him out of frame. A beaded gold crown sits on his head, and his fingers are festooned with all manner of silver and emerald jewelry. Hey, guys. (laughs) Mr. President. I thought I'd just drop in since I was passing through the neighborhood, you know, on my private jet. You know, Francis, my private jet. Not a rhetorical question, Francis! Yes, I know. About the jet, Francis? Yes. My private one? Yes. Air Force One? They made a movie about it, Francis, with Harrison Ford! Yes, I know about your jet! Any houses? <laughs> I came to check on my favorite governor... Or senator, or whatever. (laughs) Doug runs a hand across the desk Uh, and inspects the layer of dust it leaves on his fingertips. Things seem pretty cool here, I guess. (laughs) Controversial fact. Shane Hosey, writer of the Breaking Bad episode of Spec Script, has since admitted to having seen one episode of the show prior to writing his podcast episode. I did not know that. This controversy will likely haunt him till the end of his life. I regret nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, right. Have you guys met my new sidekick, Remy Danton? He likes to... He's like a kick-ass army guy or something. Super badass. Real cool. Oh, yes. Hi. Francis Underwood, Governor, Senator, New Hampshire, Virginia, whatever. How do you do? Catherine Durant, Campaign Manager. Indeed. Carrie Underwood, fourth season American Idol winner. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. The camera freezes on Claire's face. She is stunned and silent. Claire has met Remy before, and unlike every other person in the room, she knows exactly who he is. Like Claire, Remy once served in the Yakuza in the year 2081. And like her, he was drafted to serve in the Interchronologic Time Police. But unlike her, he never left. Unlike her, he's not on the run. Remy Danton is on the hunt. His bounty, Claire Underwood. Wanted, dead or alive. Claire, stop staring as if haunted by the phantom of your past. It's rude. 
Claire does her best to regain her composure while slowly reaching towards a control panel on the interior of her pantsuit. Forgive me. Claire Underwood, politician. Charmed, I'm sure. Suddenly, Claire hits a button in her pantsuit and time stops. Everyone in the room is frozen in place mid-breath. Everyone, that is, except for her and Remy Stanton, who steps forward with an amused grin. You know I'm immune to that little time gadget of yours. I was counting on it. I wish only to parlay. Claire draws a scimitar from somewhere in the depths of her pantsuit and steps backwards, putting, on a con- putting a conference table in between her and Remy. You know I've been searching for you for far too long just to talk. Remy pulls a battle axe from his military jacket and leaps onto the table, brandishing his grievous instrument. Unafraid, Claire handsprings up to meet him. The two circle each other, their blades of their weapons all but touching in the middle. Ching! I see you're just as spry as ever. I haven't seen you since... Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan, 1955. Ah, uh, yes. The carnations were in full bloom that year. And the loaves of Kurdak were so sweet. The two exchange a series of death jabs and parries. Remy wildly swings his axe but misses, instead neatly clipping off the left shoulder pad of Edward's suit, who's still frozen in time. Not as sweet as my bounty will be, I suppose. How much are they offering you for my head? Enough to retire in any place at any point in the timeline. (laughs) Very good. You will have earned it. That is, if you can catch me. Remy charges with his axe, missing once again, this time lopping off one of Edward's earlobes. (laughs) Claire rolls to the side, sheathing her blade, and grabs Remy around the waist. She suplexes him off the table and onto the hardwood floor. Both roll away and regain their footing back where they began. Remy wipes some blood from his mouth and chuckles. Too many civilian witnesses to take you down today anyway. But soon, Claire. Soon. Claire adjusts her suit and regains composure. Very well, old friend. Very well, chronomancer. (laughs) (laughs) Remy flashes one last evil grin before sheathing his battle axe and taking his place next to the frozen president. Claire nods and presses a button in her pantsuit. Time unfreezes for everyone. Ow, fuck! Shut Shut up, Edward! We don't respect you! (laughs) Fun fact, when Alexander Jade, who tonight is playing the role of Seth, was in middle school, she got called a bitch by a bully. Alexander slapped that bully in the face with a bag of shredded cheese. Her school counselors congratulated her on standing up for herself. Anyway, I'm hosting a thing at my place later. Just like a low-key kind of kickback chiller. Thought I'd float an invite, you know, an invite if you want to come through. I'll see if I can fit it in our schedule. Uh, Oh, yeah, cool. Cool, cool, fine, it's fine, it's all cool. I'm fine, I'm fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, Uh, it's fine, it's cool, 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 cool. Do you need me to send an address? No, I remember where you live. You remember which house it is, Francis? Yes. The big one? Yes. The big white one? Yes. The White House, Francis. <laughs> I live in the White House because I'm President, remember? Yes, I remember. Supreme President Doug absentmindedly fiddles with a drinks cart table runner before leaning down and blowing his nose in it. He stands up slowly and waves at Francis with his pinky. Okay, then. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> 
you. See you later. The presidential trumpet sound once more. Doug turns and walks out slowly, casually flicking a cup of pens with his index finger, knocking it on the floor in front of Francis as he passes. Remy follows but pauses at the door. He turns to Claire, slightly opening his jacket to reveal the very edge of the axe, the blade of which he licks menacingly. Soon, Claire Underwood. Soon. The pair leave and the horns fade out. Jesus Christ. That guy is the worst. worst. Is he not going to take that red carpet back with him? How many red carpets does that guy own? I think someone cut my fucking earlobe off. <laughs> Typical whiny interns. First they demand two fooling, fu- fully functioning ears. Next thing you know, they'll be demanding a paycheck and permission to use the indoor toilets. <laughs> Seth, still perched on Edward's head, fixes Edward's hair with his talents in a show of mock tenderness before pecking him in the forehead and hopping back down onto the table. <clears throat> All right. I for, I, for one, would like us to put murder back on the table as an option. Edward stumbles to the whiteboard, blood pouring from his ear, and deliriously <laughs> picks up the whiteboard marker. Fun fact. In 2012, Lee Cox, who tonight is playing the role of Remy, was a target in a prank show hosted by Betty White. He was cut from the final product for being too deadpan. <laughs> I've seen a lot of train tracks in my life, but that, that tracks. Uh, <laughs> that line wasn't in my script. I want that on the record. <laughs> I don't hate the murder idea. I'm just not in love with the murder idea. All right, then. What if we just fuck with this bottom line a little? He's commander and chief. Have you considered instigating some sort of international conflict? Ooh, a war. That would be, like, hella stressful for him. War. I love it. Does anyone have any targets in mind? Oh, I've always wanted to stick it to those smarmy jerks up in Canada. Yeah, fuck Canada and that two-bit hack Shania Twain. What do you have against Shania Twain? Oh, nothing personal. I just hate competition in the pop country circuit. I once threw a jar of acid at Luke Bryan's personal assistant. Let's declare war on Alaska. Alaska is part of the United States. Whatever. I'm sick of those smug assholes waving their precious scorpion grass in our faces. (laughs) What if we cover the White House lawn at dog shit? (laughs) Everyone in the room turns to Zoe in confusion. I'm sorry, who are you? Zoe Proval, Portland comedian, raconteur, hotshot, bad girl. <laughs> and where, darling, did you come from? Oh, I'm a part of the podcast. You know, spec script. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe and like, you aren't really supposed to see me, but it looked like you guys were having so much fun, I just wanted to join in. <laughs> Fuck it. We'll take all the hell we can get. Zoe, pull up a chair. (laughs) Zoe grabs a chair, pours herself a glass of scotch, looks straight into the camera, and winks. Edward. (laughs) Edward, put White House lawn dog shit on the board. Edward, blood now running down the side of his body and pooling up in his shoe, attempts to write this idea on the whiteboard. He is extremely delirious from blood loss and manages only to write an indistinct scribble. I'm feeling kind of woozy. Ugh, we could lock Doug in a room with Edward until he bores him to death. The whole group laughs heartily. (laughs) Edward slips on his own blood and falls. He tries to grab the desk to catch himself, but instead slams his hand on top of a mug of pens, two of which puncture clean through his palm and out the back of his hand. 
Can someone call an ambulance? Damn it, take this seriously. I am not some sort of a joke. I am the senator or the governor of New Hampshire or Virginia or whatever. Suddenly, a clap of thunder is heard. A massive blast of eldritch energy explodes from the center of the room, knocking everyone back into their chairs and flattening Edward towards the wall. We see a large temporal portal open in the center of the room through which we can see the Oval Office. Remy stands there, his eyes glowing red and a battle axe in hand. Claire Underwood, I can wait no longer. Your time has come. You'll never take me alive, Remy. It's upon you. Oh, you'll never take me alive, Remy. (laughs) No, I shall take your life. My mighty axe will take the blood from your throat. I will deliver your head on a pike, and everyone throughout history will know my name as the greatest chronomantic bounty hunter to ever live. Remy raises his axe, and electricity shoots out of his body. Remy Dantoon! What the fuck is going on? Remy and Claire clash together in a whirlwind of blades and fists as the boardroom erupts into chaos. Remy swings his axe down with a draconian strength, narrowly missing, and Claire and blasting the conference table in twain, the two halves exploding outward. Everyone seated around the now-demolished co- table is thrown back with the impact. Catherine leaps behind Edward to take cover. If I die, you are so fucking fired, Edward. I see a white light. Seth takes flight, screaming a shrill battle cry. Desperado for up! <laughs> Carrie Underwood snaps an American flag off the wall and brandishes it as a, spe- as a spear, singing proudly. Amazing grace! Zoe Proval takes a cover behind the drinks cart and tops off the pitcher of scotch. Divinity emoji who tonight is playing the role of Claire has seen every episode of the TV show Ghost Whispers twice! Claire lunges forward, jabbing at the Remy's torso with her scimitar. Remy th- roughly parries, using her momentum to send her crashing through the whiteboard. As they fight, we see through the portal Doug Stamper wandering in, wearing nothing but a fancy pair of silk underwear. Hey, uh, Remy, have you seen my loofah? Stay out of this, fool. Rude! With Remy momentarily distracted, Claire leaps into the air with a flying roundhouse kick that knocks Remy's axe out of his hand. Unfettered, Remy counters with a spinning back fist, disarming Claire. The two lock up, and Claire is wrestled to the ground with Remy on top of her hands around her throat. Your time's come, Claire Underwood. Tell the gods Remy Danton sent you. Struggling to breathe, Claire reaches into her pantsuit and retrieves her temporal remote control, holding it aloft. No! What are you doing? If you open another portal next to mine, you could cause a collapsation in space-time. <laughs> That's the plan. I'll see you in hell, Remy. Claire hits a button on the remote and another portal opens up above her. Lightning smashes through both portals. With a blinding light, the portals implode into one another, sucking Claire, Remy, Doug, and Francis in with them. Damn you, Claire Underwood! With that, the portals close, leaving Catherine, Carrie, Seth, and Zoe to catch their breath in the wreckage. Whoa. Yikes. Yeah. So they're all dead? Uh, it would appear so. Even Doug? I guess. So, revenge has been served? Uh, I'd call it even. Looks like Edward's dead, too. I'll toss him in the compost heap with the last three interns. <laughs> Great. Well, good job, everyone. Who wants lunch? Let's hit the food carts. 
Chris Hottaby's buying. With that, the four exit the Oval Office and out the doors of Kelly's Olympian. Thin Lizzie's The Boys Are Back in Town plays as each mount a motorcycle. We fade to black as they ride off into the sunset. The end. That has been Specscraft! House of Cards, written by Riley McCarthy! Ah, TC Tuggers. Everybody, thank you for being here at Specs. This has been an amazing time. Give it up for all of your cast. You had Lee Cox, Bellingham's favorite son. Alexandra, the hacker Jade, our champion. Don't worry, I skip over you. Tiffany Yamauchi, Hawaii's greatest comic, and Portland's like forgotten BB. Cat uh, Buckley, designer extraordinary, cool cat extraordinaire, comic extraordinaire. We got Tiffany McGuire of Incubator City every first Wednesday. We got Sarah Jones of Laughing in the Dark, a cool podcast you can listen to that Lydia's been on and Chris will have been on when this has been released. Uh, we got Zoe Praval of Brownback Comedy, the most efficiently produced comedy show in Portland, Oregon. And we have our writer of this episode, assumed to be launching a show at uh, Sookie's, right? Well, you're talking to a microphone, you freaking animal. Relentless Splendor, first Tuesday of every month. Riley so McCarthy! Oh, that was great. This has been fun. Give it up for Shannon Hunt in the back. Give it up for Ryan in the sound booth. Give it up for Jenna Vesper for helping out earlier. Give it up for everyone. This Keep it all- going for your host, Chris Hottamy. <laughs> This is all deleted. That breakdown doesn't exist. Uh, give it up again for your cast. They're amazing. Check them out on all the platforms. Uh, and then check out Specscripts on all the platforms. Like it. You know, write, I don't know if you can write reviews anymore because uh, iTunes has exploded. I don't know. But, uh, but the point is, Specscript is... Uh, we're getting into a lot of festivals. We're getting into a lot of like conventions. We're cool, uh, and we're gonna be around. We're gonna be traveling. We're gonna we're gonna probably go to Santa Cruz. We're gonna go to San Francisco. We're gonna go to New York. We're gonna go to LA. We're gonna go to New Hampshire. We're gonna go to Ohio. We're gonna go all the way to Washington D.C. Yeah! Peace out. Thank you. I love you. That's the show, baby. Riley McCarthy. Thank you for listening to SpecScript. Come see us live November 9th at the Flyover Comedy Festival in St. Louis. November 10th here in Portland for Shameless by Ash and Crystal Alexander. And then again in Portland on November 30th for the Ha Ha Harvest Comedy Festival. It's all about the family, baby. It's November. November.